Go with me, please, to John, the third chapter. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, hold up your hand real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's all go to John chapter 3. John 3 and about verse 14 here. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Glory. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Do you believe? Yes. Somebody say, I believe. I believe. Keep reading. He said, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We read Romans 8. In previous studies of this, it said, who is he that lays anything to the charge of God's elect? It's not God. God's the one that justifies. Who's he that condemns? It's not Jesus. He's the one who gave himself for us. God is not interested in finding us guilty, in charging us or accusing us. It's the devil who is the accuser of the brethren. And Jesus didn't come to show us how sinful and miserable we are. He did not come to condemn us. He came to save us. Do you believe it? To justify us and to save us. Verse 18, he that believes on him is not condemned. We talked about that word, this word condemn. What does it mean? It basically means guilty. Guilty. It means found guilty and judged, deserving of punishment for being guilty. No, he that believes on him is not condemned, not guilty. Do you believe on him? Then you are not guilty. Said out loud, I believe on him. Therefore, I am not condemned. I am not guilty. If you're not guilty, you deserve no punishment. <laughs> None. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you don't believe on him, you are guilty. You are yet still in your sins. You don't want to live that way. You certainly don't want to die that way. In the 8th chapter of John, we saw this, where they took the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, and they threw her down in front of Jesus there publicly, and accused her and told Jesus, you know, Moses in the law said, Stoner, what do you say? And uh, he stooped down and, and wrote on the ground and, and he rose up and he said, uh, he that's without sin among you, 
let him first cast a stone at her. And verse 8, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Verse 9, they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even to the last. Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Where are the ones that are accusing you? Has no man condemned you? And I know she was thrilled to be able to say, No man, Lord, they're all gone. Nope. See, she thought she's about to die. And now all her accusers and rock throwers are gone. And she's just standing there with Jesus. And so Jesus said to her, yeah, but you know better than what you were doing. Shame on you. Religion says this. I said religion says this. If you weren't with us, let me encourage you to go back and get to previous. We've already covered a lot of ground. And laid foundation in this area. Uh, you can go online. Download the previous messages. Get your DVDs, CDs. Won't cost you a dime or a penny. And around here we have a saying. No charge means. No excuse. No excuse for not having it. Not knowing it. Not getting it. And these things are vitally. Vitally important. And uh, we said this phrase. Shame on you. You want to treat it like cuss words. Get it out of your vocabulary. You don't say it to yourself. You don't say it to your spouse. You don't say it to your kids. You don't say it to your dog. (laughs) Shame on you. You just don't say it. Get it out of your thinking. Why? Because shame on you is trying to minister condemnation. To someone. Which is not God. It's not the ministry of righteousness. It's not the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And accusing somebody of things. Is absolutely devilish. The devil is. The accuser of the brethren. Jesus didn't come. To fix the blame. He came to fix the problem. He fixed the sin problem. He took the guilt. He took it all on himself. He paid the price. And he that believes on him is not condemned. Not guilty. Can you say amen? So when he said, where's your accusers at? Has nobody condemned you? She said, no man, Lord. Jesus said to her, neither do I. (laughs) Neither do I condemn you now he didn't say she hadn't sinned and it wasn't a big deal you know there's no such thing as self forget about sin no sin is a very big deal it's why Jesus had to come to the cross huge deal he didn't say she hadn't sinned he didn't say it was okay what did he say I'm not condemning you for it I'm not condemning you for it now go and don't do it anymore go and live free Live free from condemnation. Live free from guilt and shame. Thank you, Lord. Sit out loud. No blame. No shame. shame. (laughs) That's what belongs to the child of God. Look with me in Romans. 
the eighth chapter. These are our three texts. See, who said you had to have just one? Right? We got three. Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. What does condemnation mean? It's guilt. Guiltiness. Now, if you've been around church any length of time, if you grew up around church, you know this. Guilt is a huge part of most groups of church-going people. Right? It is the primary thing used to motivate. (laughs) It's one of the main things that parents use to motivate children and each other. It's one of the main things that preachers use to motivate churchgoers. You know you should. Shame on you (laughs) for doing it or not doing it. What's wrong with that? Did we just describe much of the church world? I mean, people think it is a godly thing and just a sign of a good Christian if you are sin conscious and always talking about how guilty you are. I've failed in so many ways and I've come so short uh, like we didn't know that. (laughs) And I'm just an old sinner. No. No. You were, were an old sinner. Now you've been saved by grace. You were sin and ungodliness. Now you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Completely different mentality. Oh, somebody say glory to God. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. That is a component of staying guilt free and we're going to talk more about that later and some folks say well that's not in some original text in that first verse. It is repeated in the fourth verse the same thing. So it's here either way you look at it. Verse 2 For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. One of the greatest things you ever said over yourself right there. Verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Sin was condemning us. And Jesus came and condemned it. (laughs) And now we're free from it. All that we'll believe. Verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not after the flesh. But after the spirit. Go with me if you would to the book of James. James. Fifth chapter, I can sense you and I are making progress, saints. This is going somewhere. Everything the Lord does for us, it's preparing us, equipping us, enabling us for what's coming next. 
Amen. Amen. And some things have to be dealt with in order to be able to do something else. And you'll see that this is that. In James 5 and 16, he said, confess your faults one to another. Why? Pray one for another. Why? That you may be healed. Then he says this, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Avails much. The prayer of who? A righteous man. Can we put the Amplified up on this please? He said the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. He describes how the man of God prayed And the heavens didn't give rain. And then he prayed and the rain came. Well that's power. Affecting the atmosphere. The environment of the earth. For months and years at a time. I remember my father in the faith. Kenneth Hagin. Said as a teenage boy. I believe he said as a Baptist boy. Reading grandma's Methodist Bible. He read this, and he thought, boy, if I could ever become righteous, I'd be a whiz at prayer. He saw it. He thought, if I could ever become righteous, I'd be a whiz at praying. Well, the prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. What is a righteous man? Now when we say man, we're not just talking about male. There are male men and female men. Talking about the species of man. How does a man or woman become righteous? What makes you unrighteous? How would you become righteous? Because have you ever noticed how many scriptures there are of amazing and good things happening for The righteous? Boy, it's a great study on its own. Man, the righteous just have every good thing. Every blessing. Get delivered from every bad thing. But just this one thing alone. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. One of the things that you'll see about the righteous that is such an an indicator that the person is righteous is found in Proverbs. Let me see if I can find it for you. Proverbs 28.1. Put that up for us, please. You don't have to turn there necessarily. Proverbs 28.1. What kind of praying would be so powerful and effective? (laughs) The Bible said, Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when nobody's after them. No man pursues. The wicked are fleeing and running when nobody's after you. But the righteous are bold as a lion. You ever went eyeball to eyeball with a lion? I don't recommend it. You ever got close enough to even see one? 
Oh, man. And they look at you. You can tell they are not scared of you at all. (laughs) You know, we grew up in the South and in the woods and nature. And, you know, there's some critters out there, but most all of them's smaller than you. Most of them. And uh, I was up in Alaska a while back. And it was snowing, and I was coming around the corner to the airport, and there was a moose standing right there. Dear me, this thing is as tall, you know. And when we come around the corner, he turned and looked at us like, what's your problem? You better get out of my way. And I thought, whoa, you know, <laughs> we are not top of the food chain up here. <laughs> you can just see there's not one ounce of fear in there. And that's what he's talking about, lions. I'm telling you, you're talking about zero intimidation, no fear. That's how the righteous are. No fear, no timidity, no sense hmm? (laughs) of inferiority. When's the last time you saw a lion come slouching up with his head down going... I'm not much of a lion. I know it. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) No. The righteous are bold. Said out loud. Bold. Bold. Bold as a lion. The Young's literal translation says, The wicked have fled and there is no pursuer. And the righteous as a young lion is confident. And that is the definition of bold, confident, confident. Confident is a faith word. 1 John 3 says, if our heart condemns us not, then have we confidence toward God. What kind of prayer does a righteous man or woman pray? They pray a bold prayer. They pray a confident prayer. What does a righteous man or woman look like, sound like, act like? They look like Jesus. They sound like Jesus. Hmm? They act like Jesus. How did Jesus operate? How did he talk? When he preached, he preached so confidently and boldly and clearly that the Bible said the people marveled. And they said, man, he don't preach like the Pharisees and Sadducees and doctors of the law. Why? How'd they preach? They preached from intellect and reason and tradition. And it may be, and it could also be, and here's a view, and here's another view, and we don't know, and we're not sure, and none of us could be sure. None of us can really know, but, and Jesus comes on the scene, and he roars like a lion, and he says, it is, and it will be, and it shall. And people are going, whoa, Uh, he's not messing around. (laughs) But here's the thing, he had miracles, he saw healings. And deliverances. And signs and wonders. Are we to walk in his footsteps? 
Is there another example we should follow other than him? Is there a better example? Certainly not. I've had people tell me, and they weren't trying to compliment me. They said, who do you think you are? You're just trying to act like Jesus. I said, I thought that was the idea. You know somebody better for me to, to follow and act like? Didn't the Bible say concerning the apostles, concerning Peter and John and those guys, it said when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they took note of them that they had been with Jesus. Why? They've been around him and they started acting like him. How'd they start acting? They started acting like righteous men. Like men who are not guilty. Why do you act so intimidated, so inferior, so sin conscious and minded? Why? Because you believe you're guilty. You know all the things you've done. And you know all the ways you've messed up. And you're conscious of that. If you're conscious of your past, you're not conscious of your righteousness in Christ. If you're conscious of your sins, you're not conscious of him. And all of us need to hear this. Don't we? We need to hear it over and over and over and over until our minds renewed. And we think right and we see right because much of us have heard condemnation preached. More than other things. And it's not that people were trying to do things maliciously. They were condemned themselves. And not living free. And not living righteous. How do you become righteous? Does anybody know? Romans 10 and 9 and 10. Put it up on the screen for us please. Thank you. 10, 9 and 10. If you confess. See some people wonder why we confess so much. Well, y'all are always saying, you always say, say this, say that, say this, say that. Yeah, and it's not going to change. Because when it changed and people got silent, it's when the church got away from the Word of God. It's always been this way, even though people got away. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Verse 10. This is how you get righteous. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. You believe unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Let me read something to you from uh, Brother E.W. Kenyon's book. I wrote this down years ago. And uh, you don't hear me always quoting other folks, but I don't think I could improve on the way he said this. And and I want to just say it. His little book, Two Kinds of Righteousness. If you've never read that, it's a great little book. And years ago, I read this and wrote it down. I want to just read it to you verbatim. He said concerning righteousness, concerning sin consciousness, He said, the sense, I'm quoting him now, the sense of condemnation has given to man an inferiority complex that makes him a coward. 
It robs him of faith in himself, in man, in God, and in God's word. It robs him. What robs him of this? His sin consciousness. This sin consciousness holds him in bondage. He has no right to approach God. He knows he's not good enough to pray and have his prayers answered. If he does pray, it's a prayer of desperation. That describes much of the church world, doesn't it? As surely as God made Jesus sin, God made us righteous in him. Oh, in the new covenant, our sins are not covered. They are washed away. The covering of sins is Old Testament terminology. And I know that it's in a lot of hymns and a lot of songs about our sins being covered. That is inaccurate in the New Testament. Our sins are not covered by the blood. Animal blood covered sin because it couldn't wash it away. But the blood of the Lamb... Washed away. Our sins. Somebody say I'm washed. I'm washed. I'm washed. And that's how you're righteous. You're righteous because you're washed. Clean. In him. The fact. I'm quoting Brother Kenyon again. The fact that Jesus could leave the abode of the lost. And go directly into the Father's presence. Is proof. That the vilest sinner. Can do the same. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Was Jesus really. Made sin with our sin. And did the punishment for that sin. Fall on him. And was he in the heart of the earth. Those three days and nights. And was he not raised from the dead, free from all sin, and has gone into the presence of the Almighty and sat down at the right hand of the Father? Then we can do the same. Because it was not his sin he was bearing and paying. It was ours. Thank you, Lord. If Je- I'm quoting Brother Kenyon again. If Jesus was made righteous from all mankind's sin and made so righteous that he could come out of hell and go into heaven, if he, after being sin, could become so righteous that he could go into the Father's presence, sit down at his right hand, and be accepted by the Father then everyone who accepts Jesus Christ as Savior will become as righteous as Jesus is because Jesus has made unto us righteousness from God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, put it up on the screen for us. Put it up on the screen for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He, God, has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. He didn't sympathize with our sin He became our sin. 
Him who knew no sin. He never committed a sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There's your righteousness, which will never be good enough. And there's his righteousness, which is already accepted in heaven. Your righteousness is what you can produce and earn, and it'll never be enough. His righteousness, you didn't have to lift a finger for. It was given to you as a gift. We've been made the righteousness of God in him. Let me read this. This is Brother Kenyon again here. This righteousness permits us to stand in the Father's presence without the sense of guilt or condemnation. It gives us the ability to stand in the presence of Satan without the sense of inferiority. If you can come boldly into the presence of God and receive audience of the Father and get your prayers answered and hear Him and receive of Him, if you're clean enough to do that, then you're clean enough to stand up and look the devil in the eye and say, get out of here. And he has to go. Is that right? That's how the righteous act. That's how the righteous talk. That's how the righteous think. They are bold. Bold. As a lion. It's not because they're trying to work something up. They're just completely confident in who they are and who they've been made in him. And what you've been made is not guilty. Righteous. Whew. Thank you, Lord. One last phrase here. Quoting Brother Kenyon, righteousness means the ability to stand in the Father's presence as though sin had never touched us with the same liberty and freedom that Jesus had with the Father as he walked this earth. How do the righteous act? Just like Jesus. He's called Jesus Christ the righteous. Isn't he? How did he pray? How did he pray? I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy. I know I don't deserve it, but I'm begging you. You ever hear him pray that way? No, you know. Here's how you hear him praying. Father, I know you hear me. And that they may know that you've sent me. And I'm just doing what you tell me. Lazarus! Come out of that! That's how he prayed. How'd he talk to the devil? Shut up! Get out! That's the main things he said to the devil. Hold your peace and come out of him. That's shut up. And get out. That's what it is. But see, if you believe you're guilty, all you're aware of is all the places you've missed it. And all the areas you've come short. If that's all you're aware of, you will never be bold. Never. Because you have a sense that you got no right to be here. You got no right to ask for anything. 
You got no place or right to command the devil to stop. All you'll be is a beggar. And religion, preaching condemnation, has made men beggars. Hasn't it? Begging, begging, begging. And you will not receive, and you'll not be free, and you'll not overcome. How does a righteous man or woman look, act, think? Just like Jesus. The righteous are bold, bold as a lion. Go to Luke 5. Luke 5. These first few verses of Luke 5 is where Jesus asked to use Peter's boat. And uh, he preached out of his boat. And when he finished, he said, uh, launch out into the deep for a draft, for a catch. And Peter said, Lord, we worked all night and there's just no fish over here and Besides that, you don't throw the net in the middle of the day where the fish can see you. <laughs> he didn't explain all that to him. He just said, nevertheless, because you say so. His preaching must have affected him that day, right? Because you said so, we'll do it. So he went, and he cast the net, and here he draws in, I guess, the best catch he ever had. And his response in verse, look at verse 7, I guess it is. Luke 5, 7, he beckoned his partners. They came. They filled up the ships. They began to sink. Their nets are bulging and breaking. Their ships are sinking down into the water, about to sink. This is money. Every one of these fish is money. This is the business they're in. This is getting out of debt. This is buying a new boat. This is getting the missus a new dress. Come on, are you listening? This is, this is getting the kids new shoes. This is... This is your business. And verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus knees. And says what? What does depart from me mean? Go away. Go away. Why would you tell. The best thing that ever happened to you. To go away. Read the next phrase. For I am. A sinful man. O Lord. Religion has taught generations of Christians. To confess. I'm a sinner. But. No. If you've been born again. You are not a sinner. By nature. You are not. And you and I have been saved. And that means much more than just saved from hell, as great as that is. Not only have we been saved, we've been more than saved. We've been made right. Glory to God. We've been made right. We've been made not guilty. This is what sin consciousness does to you. It causes you to draw back. And fear. Doesn't it? Sin consciousness. Being aware. Of your faults. Your failures. Where you've missed it. Now yes you've missed it. Yes I've missed it. We know that. You don't have to tell us. We know it. (laughs) We know you hadn't acted perfectly. You know we haven't. 
But it's only going to hurt us to continuously confess how weak and how sinful and how much of a failure. That will just build into you sin consciousness which will cause you to fear. You will have blame, you will have shame, and you will have fear. Can you see this, saints? And that describes most of the church world, doesn't it? And you will never live like Jesus. You'll never pray like Jesus. You'll never walk and talk and act like him. Because he walked with zero sin consciousness. He walked with no degree of a sense of inferiority. With no blame and no shame. And he was absolutely fearless. He looked death right in the eye. (laughs) And command him to rise up. Wouldn't he? He was not afraid of any demon. He was not afraid of any disease. People say, yeah, but Brother Keith, that's Jesus. Yeah, and he was not walking as God. He was walking as a man. And he told us if we'd believe on him, the works he did, we'd do too. Didn't he say it? If he did them as God, we can't do that. We're not God. But if he did them as a man, anointed with the Spirit, we can see the glorious possibility of the same thing happening for us. Somebody say, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. At the end of this uh, same chapter, Luke 5, we see that they brought the man who was paralyzed and they tore off the roof and they let him down in there. And the Bible said when Jesus saw their faith, verse 20, when he saw their faith, you know what he said? What did he say? Yeah, but he didn't come for that. He's paralyzed. He came to get healed. And yet what did he need? Why? You know Jesus wouldn't have done this this way unless this was the way it had to be done, needed to be done. There's a sequence here. What's the next thing he tells him? After they fuss about him saying it. Take up your bed and go walk. That's going to take faith. Remember the scripture. If our hearts condemn us not. Then have we confidence toward God. Is he going to need to be bold here in just a minute? Is he going to need to step up confidently. To get this miracle. What would keep you from being confident? Sin consciousness. Guilty consciousness. That's why we got to get rid of this. So you can do this. That's why he looks at him. And with the anointing on these words, he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. What does that mean? You're not guilty. You are right now in the sight of God. No sense of inferiority, no blame, no shame, no fear. And obviously he believes that. So he's laying there on his mat going, whew. I'm forgiven. I'm clean. I'm right. How many know now he's ready? Now and not until now. Now he's ready to hear the next thing. Take up that bed and walk. Now he's got full confidence. Now he's got boldness to do it. Can you see this, saints? Righteousness consciousness makes you bold to draw near. Look in Hebrews 10. In closing I think. 
Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Sin consciousness causes you to draw back and fear. Righteousness consciousness causes you to be bold and draw near. Cower, fear, draw back. If all you hear is what a sinner you are and what a failure you are, that's what you'll do. You'll just cower. That's why a lot of people are not in church. They figure, I'm not good enough to be in church. I'm not good enough to be in there with those folks. I got to clean myself up some. For, well, if you could clean yourself up, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. <laughs> and how does an unrighteous man or woman become a righteous man or woman? It ain't by working so hard on it. You believe unto it. You believe unto it. It's not what you do. It's what he has done. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 and 17. Boy, there's so much here. It would do you well to read this whole 10th chapter very carefully. In Hebrews 10 verse 17, he said, Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. If he's not thinking about them, why should I? Who matters more in this department than him? People say, well, other people remember them. Yeah, but who are they? What does it matter? In the long run, in the big picture of things, what will it matter 50 years from now, 1,000 years from now? And if he is not remembering them. Verse 18, where remission of these is, There's no more offering for sin. There's no need to. They're not just covered. They're washed away. Remission has to do with that. Verse 19. Having therefore brethren. Boldness. To do what? To do what? Enter in. Enter in. What does sin consciousness make you do? Oh, I can't, I can't, I'm not worthy, I don't deserve it, I know. That's most of the church world. And people think if you do that enough, that God will kind of feel sorry for you and do stuff for you. They'd be doing things apart from the work of his son. If God was moved by pitifulness, miracles would be popping all over the planet, wouldn't they? No. His power is not manifested just based on begging and needing. That's obvious. No. You know what he wants? Hebrews 4. Anybody remember that 16? Let us therefore come boldly. Boldly. Not arrogantly. Not pridefully. And yet confidently. Why? I got a right to be here. And God's not looking at any of my failures. He's not looking at any of my sins or my mistakes. When he sees me, he sees what I have faith in. He sees the righteousness of Christ that's been given to me. 
Well, why do you have a right to be here? Because he has a right to be there. I'm in him. I have as much right to be there as Jesus. I know the devil don't like you saying things like that. Why? Because I'm in him. And he's in me. And his righteousness is my righteousness. If my righteousness is not good enough, then it's his righteousness. Some folks will think about that later. My right to be there is his right to be there, which is why I can come boldly. It's why you can come boldly before the throne of grace. Come on, keep reading. Verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. How? Say this phrase out loud. Bold by the blood. How can you be so bold? I'm bold because of the blood. I'm bold. Why? The blood has washed me, has cleansed me, has made me righteous, has made me free. Keep reading. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us do what? Let us draw near, see, with boldness. In a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Woo, glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Stand up and lift up your hands. Let's begin to thank the Lord for this. Thank you, Lord. 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 Close your eyes. Say it out loud. I am born of God. I am a child of God. I am a son of God. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am washed clean. I'm made innocent by the blood of the Lamb, the spotless, sinless Lamb of God. Jesus has been made unto me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. No one is more righteous than I. No one has a better standing with the Father than I. No one has a greater right to come to the presence of God and fellowship with Him. No one has a greater right to resist the devil, to speak against disease. For I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My righteousness is of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. 
Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.